0: Hey, I'm Akko. And I'm Marcy. And welcome to the Colored Pages Book Club. It's that bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from... Colorful background. Yes. Oh, yes. Colorful
1: background. And, um, yeah, so we're back at it again where we're doing another episode of our Summer Short series, which, for those who may be unfamiliar, is basically where, over the summer, Aqua and I just kind of talk about... um. Whatever we want, like, usually over, like, our regular seasons, we usually try to focus on on novels, but yeah, over the summer, we just kind of do whatever the fuck we want, short stories, plays, visual novels, um, Mm -hmm. goddamn nonfiction, we just kind of do whatever we want, (laughs) so this episode is, uh, no different.
0: Yep, 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 yep. Keeping with that complete disregard for the rules, (laughs) today (laughs) we are going to do an exercise in comparative literature. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I actually really love the practice of comparative literature. I was like one credit short of being a comparative literature minor in college. Um, Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I did a lot of those classes yeah and so the reason i really like it i took this definition from i think the university of oregon's website i looked at a couple i think this one best Mm -hmm. encompasses it in my mind but it says comparative literature is transnational transmedial and transcultural it is a discipline built on pursuing connections connections between different aesthetic forms cultural traditions and ideas Tracing those connections wherever they lead is what we mean by comparison. Whether mm. we're following a theme across national and linguistic borders, studying filmic adaptions of literary texts, or inquiring into mm. the places where disciplines intersect. So, basically, pretty much what we do on the show <laughs> um, all the time. So, yeah. yeah, what I liked about comparative literature in college was that you could pull from a lot of different traditions and read them Mm -hmm. instead of having to focus necessarily on, like, Western Eurocentric Mm. literature. You could just – you could take a class in anything. (laughs) It was comparative, Mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed. I love that. I –
1: that is so interesting. I truly did not know that about you. And it's so funny because I feel like um, the term comparative literature is just just so academic to me. But, yeah, Mm. when you write the definition, I'm like, yeah, so um, we – we kind of do that all the time. I mean, even informally, like we'll be talking about like yep. a novel and be like, yeah, this kind of reminds me of this other book. We're blah, blah, blah. like, it's just,
0: huh? Right. Interesting. What was cool about it is then you could see like, oh, you know, this theme, you see this theme here and here. And then, oh, Mm -hmm. maybe there's a historical reason for that being there. Or then you see these two ideas done completely differently. And you're like, oh, based on that cultural context and that. And you just see all these intersections and divergences that makes you Mm -hmm. understand like the complexity of the human experience. And it's like... Super fun. Or you can do it, you know, which is how we're going to do it now. Look at this transition where you look at a <laughs> similar culture or a s- same cultural space through a different time. And then mm. you see how things have changed and how things have stayed the same, which mm. is what we're doing today as we compare the essay/slash sp- speech, Ain't I a Woman by Sojourner Truth and a poem by Aji Lord: A Woman Speaks. Mm. Woo. But before we do that, here is some background on the authors. Mm-hmm. So, so General Truth was an African-American abolitionist and women's rights activist, best known for her speech on racial inequalities, an entire woman, which was delivered extemporaneously in 1851. That's right, y'all, 1851. I think mm. slavery was still happening yeah. at the time. In fact, it was, since it wasn't abolished until 1865, um, at the Ohio Women's Rights Convention. So Truth was born into slavery, but escaped with her infant daughter to freedom in 1826. She devoted her life to the abolitionist cause and helped to recruit black troops to the Union Army. Although Truth began her career as an abolitionist, the reform causes she sponsored are kind of dope, including mm. prison reform, property rights, universal suffrage. Yes. I know, right? And then also in 1828, Sojourner Truth filed a lawsuit against a white slave owner in New York, which, by the way, debunks the idea that there were no slave owners in the North because this mm. guy's clearly in New York. Right. The lawsuit was in response to her five-year-old son, Peter, being sold to a plantation owner in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And the sale of the boy was in 1827, which was just a few months before he would have been freed under the gradual emancipation mm. that had been enacted in New York. Sojourner Truth was not only successful in that lawsuit, but she also filed other lawsuits and was victorious a number of times so she was very very smart and actually yes. someone um <clears throat> someone pointed out to me that we're gonna read this poem because this is how it's been recorded but someone pointed out to me that sojourner truth also spoke german and it's very likely that the speech was actually far more like regal i don't know like mm-hmm. <laughs> like high brow than it was transcribed as mm-hmm. but because the people who transcribed it were white they just like Made it less highbrow because it fit their narrative. I, um,
1: that is, I have so many thoughts yeah. on that. Wow, that's so
0: right hmm. No, I can't, I don't, I, I, this was, this is, I heard for the grapevine, so I can't, I'm not, <laughs> couple the
2: grapevine, I, yes, I know, right? <laughs> These abolitionist but that's what I've heard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love that, so, but yeah, regardless, she's, she's obviously, I mean, she run her own core, she's a very smart woman, um, yeah, and interesting because she does a takedown of intellect in her speech anyway but but yeah yeah
1: but yes thank you akko and so now i'll talk a little bit about audrey Lorde, just so everyone kind of has common understanding of of who she was so queer poet essayist and novelist audrey Lorde was born on february 18th 1934 in new york city her parents were immigrants from granada Lord was the youngest of three sisters and was raised in Manhattan. While she was still in high school, her first ever poem appeared in 17 magazines. So, fucking it up from what? a high school age, yes. True. <laughs> so, Lord received her BA from Hunter College and an MLS from Columbia University. She served as a librarian in New York public schools from 1961 through 1968. So speaking a little bit about her poems, her first volume of poems was called The First Cities and was published in 1968. It was also in 1968 that she also became a writer-in-residence at Tougaloo College in Mississippi, where she discovered a love of teaching. So in 1976, she released her poetry collection, Cole, and shortly thereafter published The Black Unicorn. Poet Adrian Rich said of The Black Unicorn that, quote, Lord writes as a black woman, a mother, a daughter, a lesbian, a feminist, a visionary, poems of elemental wildness and healing, nightmare, and lucidity. Her other volumes included Chosen, Poems Old and New, which was published in 1982, as well as Our Dead Behind Us in 1986. Poet Sandra M. Gilbert noted not only Lord's ability to express outrage, but also that she was capable of, quote, rare and paradoxically loving Jeremiads? Is
0: that
1: Jeremy Ads? I oh, have no um, idea.
0: I saw it. and I just thought it was a cool word.
1: Okay, I was like, what? "Okay, Jeremy Ads." <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> so learn a new words.
1: Yeah, learn something every day. But yeah, So putting in context, what we're going to be reading today. Um, so Audre Lorde wrote the poem "A Woman Speaks," which she stated after attending a conference and realizing that Black women were misunderstood in the current feminist landscape, or at least the the landscape at that time. So mm-hmm. so yeah. So anyways, yeah. So Audre Lord. I mean should I talk about comparison clearly he was a very brilliant very brilliant yes. person um it was just able to speak to like, bring through words, like, just, like, so many nuanced and incredible experiences that just really touched and really transformed the feminist landscape at that time. But also today, um, Audre Lorde is still mm-hmm. lauded as a wonderful visionary of thought and a thought leader in, in many, many respects. And frankly, honestly, I feel yeah. like throughout my own sort of, like, gender journey and sort of, like, feminist understanding, Audre Lorde was definitely someone who I would look to a lot as
0: well. So, yeah, this is yeah. it's very exciting. I really dear Lord. I feel like she has given me a lot of language that I needed to emancipate myself mentally. But before we get on to reading these two lovely speeches, mm-hmm. Marcy, I have a question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is your question? I feel like I now just go on other people's show and start throwing questions at them. I'm like, I have a question. I have a question. <laughs> They're like, you just
1: got here, um, but we love that. <laughs>
0: it's true. So Audrey Lord is a is a poet, um, hmm. and yeah, and actually, she said something that's really cool about poetry that I'll get to in a second. But I wanted to ask, what was your first experience with poetry? Was it good or bad? And could you name one of your favorite poems, or just anything you want?
1: oh my gosh um my first experience with poetry this is so interesting um
2: hmm.
1: (laughs) so i remember i feel like my introduction to poetry was really i mean it, it was i mean you know learned about it in school so a lot of, I guess, how I learned about poetry was just, like, the different types of poems that exist, like, how, you know, like, the mm. different forms and stuff. So, you know, talking about things like couplets and limericks and sonnets, you know, like, like haikus, like, just, like, other <laughs> types of poetic form. And um, as far as just, like, I guess maybe my own personal experience with writing poetry and stuff is so interesting because I feel like poetry has always been something that, like, I've always had this reverence for, but something about it felt like... I guess for myself, like it just felt a lot harder to put myself in that space, if that makes sense. Mm. Like to be in a space to write a poem, it just felt like such a deeply like, like almost spiritual activity. Like something about it just felt mm. almost like, like like transcendental that I was like, I don't know, I feel like, like I've written poems, but like, I don't know, I always kind of preferred something that was a bit more just like, I'm just gonna kind of just be in, I don't know, a more literal or sort of direct kind of space as far as my writing, um, as opposed to sort of being able to bring together these connections or just like like kind of play with language in a way that just you know would constitute poetry and that's the other thing too i think maybe some of that was just that like it always felt like what was considered poetry and not wasn't simply like oh like did you did you follow this form but like what was the impact of it um Mm. and like how how it it, how it reaches people and it's funny because actually um I was looking up like a video of Audre Lorde um, reciting this poem and that was something that she had mentioned like in a separate interview how like a lot of her like motivation for poetry is also just like in in that human connection piece so yeah so it's, it's something that I've always kind of enjoyed but like more so witness than than sort of done myself. I will say, so as far as my favorite poem, I feel like this is cheating a little bit, but what, so if for context, in 2014, during that <laughs> summer, I, I lived in New York City um, doing like... You know, summer and turn shenanigans. And a lot of <laughs> shit happened that summer. We we could have literally a whole podcast episode. My God, talk about transformation. But one of the things that happened while I was there was that um, there was actually a poetry bar called... I want to say it was called New Yorican. And they had oh, like...
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, have you been there? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. So they had, um, I think it was on Thursdays at the time, like these like poetry slams. And I just remember like people would just come up and just... My God, like, it was, it truly, I mean, just, like, the space and, like, the things that people, like, the experiences people will bring into the room, it just felt so, like, again, it, it, it almost felt like we were, like, in a cloud or something. Like, I was like, this doesn't feel like mm. real life. Like, it's just, like, just, like, the energy in this room is so palpable. I just, yeah, I, I, I always loved, like going there and just like I I feel like that was kind of my first exposure with being like oh I'm actually gonna go to this poetry slam and like be kind of brought to another place and that's something that like I've done sort of like occasionally since Mm. so I couldn't name a poem specifically but yeah just like the experience of like seeing live poetry and just like kind of being in the room and just like there's just something, like, deeply collective about it. Mm. And something just very, just, like, instantly communal. Um, I think also, too, you know, for context as well, like, I was large in a room that was mostly people of color, you know, like, a lot of queer and trans representation as well. So, you know, there was just, there was also just, like, that kind of, like, shared understanding and, like, just, like, instant community that I just really, really loved. But honestly, after, like, reading these poems and, like, I don't know, like, talking about it, I'm like, maybe we can dabble a little bit, you know? Like, give ourselves the permission to to mm-hmm. write poetry and call it poetry and not like i don't know immediately just be like you know i tried to write a poem or you know girl i was thinking of, you know like like there's no need to diminish it you know let's try to
2: right
0: try to just do it
1: i'm not sure if that's unique to me but yes how
0: well, about you i did ask about your experiences, so it's yeah. okay if it's unique to <laughs> <me>. <laughs> um i've always really loved poetry in high school i actually did poetry contests really <laughs> um Yeah, I think my classmates didn't really understand why I was so... There's something very ethereal about poetry, I agree with Mm -hmm. you. And there's something that demands an emotional... Openness, Mm -hmm. or it demands that you be sort of vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's poetry is the least accessible when you don't want to access it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you, you, you can very easily be like, yeah, I don't want to engage, and it's not like (laughs) a book where you know. I think a book is harder to disengage with when you're reading it because it's, it's very, it's not ethereal. That not in a bad way. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like books are like earth. And poetry is like air, like for the elements, Mm, or maybe...
1: Yes, very that, very that.
0: Yeah, or or something like that, yeah. But it's like just two kind of different elements of human existence. So I always really liked it, but I kind of fell off a little bit. Like I haven't done as much reading of it and as much interest in it, which is wild because in college I did a lot of poetry-related things. Um, Mm -hmm. Writing poetry poetry classes i think sometimes in academia it can become very academia yeah. <laughs> and then it, it can kind of disenchant you a little bit mm-hmm. but i i love what audrey lord says about it i think this is what brought me back to poetry she says that poetry is not a luxury it's one of her famous essays but she writes mm. it is a vital necessity of our existence it forms the quality of the light within which we predicate our hopes and dreams towards survival and change. Mm. First made into language, then into idea, then into tangible action. Poetry is the way we help give name to the nameless so it can be thought. The farthest horizons of our hopes and fears are cobbled by our poems, carved mm. from the rock experiences of our daily lives. And I was like, yeah, what she said. Damn. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Um. Oh god audrey lord just her way with words which is <laughs> so beautiful it's it's
1: like it's like so. you use it it's like we operate from the same language that's the that'd be the part that be gagging me i'm like we speak the same mm-hmm. language in like right shit just the way you're able to put words together my god um, right
0: it's so lyrical yeah but i love it because it's such a deconstruction of like academia and poetry right it's mm-hmm. like poetry as something revolutionary as something innate to all of us like we speak poetry we live poetry it's way to to pull from the ethereal essence into the the tangible world it's imaginative it's yeah it's almost like a building block of imaginative Mm. language i don't know one of my favorite poems it's called a table in the wilderness by lee young lee Mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna read it but it's a great poem i actually really like lee young lee as a poet i think his work is really beautiful so if you ever get the chance you should listen to him i think he's actually still alive so
1: nice nice i i will shit Uh, um (laughs) yeah it's it's so this is so interesting because so recently actually this I feel like the universe is be talking to me and be like, "So, um, you could take this message or not. It's up to you. Um, I'm gonna just <laughs> let you do with this information what you will." Uh, but recently, a friend actually sent me a book of poems called "The Book of Delights" by Ross Gay, and Ooh. it's literally just a collection of poems. Of basically, Ross Gay is is a writer, and like essentially just wrote like a poem a day just about things that were just like truly just delightful and pleasurable it's kind of like an interesting exploration of joy and I started reading it and like loved it and then like put it down and like haven't read it in a while and I'm like you know I I feel like this is like a really good way to like maybe start my day you know like just like Mm -hmm. kind of incorporate just like these joyous poems and some of them are like you know more serious others are just like truly just like you know what girl like I just had some great Butter toast. That toast just hit, you know,
2: it's just like it can,
0: it's truly
1: all over <laughs> the, the butter place. Butter was
0: perfect, exactly,
1: <laughs> just perfectly whipped. Is <laughs> on this plate that it was whipped, you know, like just oh very that. And I kind of want to, yeah, like kind of get back into that, and also just like challenge myself to to explore mm. more inside of myself because I think a, a bit of why I've always been like respectful of poetry, but maybe just just like slightly uncomfortable by it. It's just that it always felt like. I guess there was always that question of like, oh, am I going to understand this? You know, like, oh, is this going to like mm-hmm. hit? You know, like, I think sometimes there was always an insecurity around like my ability to comprehend poetry, which is why I've always just sort of been like, okay, well, I can comprehend fiction fairly right. easily. You know, like it's just, I, I think there's definitely something there. And so, yeah, I, I kind of want to challenge myself to to break out of that. And even if you don't understand it, Marcy, that's fine. Plenty of shit you don't understand. But, and that's okay. Not a big deal. Yeah, and so
0: also I feel like I feel like that's why sometimes I get mad about school <laughs> Just as a concept mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like, it, I feel like it penalizes for, cause in, in class you're like sitting, you're like, Oh, I don't understand, but there's going to be a test on it. What if I get the wrong answer? Right. It, it's like instead like, and this is why like about Audrey Lord's point is that it's about people. It's about the connection. It's about a mode of expression of communicating feelings. And I feel like if we led with that, I feel like, she wouldn't feel as highbrow and Mm. far away kind of like art right like art is supposed to be this just the antithesis of structure and institutions it's supposed to be this expression of self and then Mm. we put it in like museums and we make like all these value judgments and we say like this person's an artist and that person's not and this is worthy of you know what i mean like i guess we could blame capitalism but my point is like at the root of it i would love poetry became something that was more close to people like it didn't seem so far away if Mm. if it was something more tangible not tangible like i like that it's ethereal you know we all gotta get a little ethereal sometimes but if it didn't seem like so unreachable you know Mm -hmm. highbrow
1: yeah, I'm so glad you said that because like when I think of poetry and and shit when I read poetry it just makes me reflect on my own idea formation. Like there's so many times in my life where it's like I like there's something I want to say or there's like a certain feeling I have but it's like it's in that like sort of like 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 you said like sort of this like ethereal space where it's like I kind of know the sentiment, I know the feeling, mm-hmm. I know the reactions to it but I don't quite always have like a really succinct like okay here's like a really formulated way of communicating you know what it is that I'm experiencing or feeling but it still like matters and I feel like poetry really taps into that it taps into sort of Mm -hmm. like the the like the magic or like the electricity that like kind of predates a lot of our ideas and it's just it's something there that I'm like this is so precious and it's something that like other forms of art can do as well but I feel like poetry really just there's something particular about it to to really just kind of exist in this space and just and, and conjure up feeling in a way that just is like very intentional often with like very little words as well it's just yeah ooh yeah so
0: and it's so interesting even like the limitations put on poetry are a way of like like if someone's like oh this is a sonnet or this is a haiku mm-hmm. it, it's like an almost a way of forcing you into a specificity you know right. it's like there's so many ways that poetry is, is a mental exercise, right? It, mm. Whether it's free form or it's, you know, some type of more meticulous practice. Both of them require this either like a freeing of the mind into the chaos or a meticulousness mm. that allows your mind to sort of imagine the different capacity. And of course, you know, literature and novels also do that, but it's there's something very fun about poetry. Mm. And I, I wish that people would see that the fun would come back. <laughs> right. You know, so... Mm.
1: I'm gonna write a poem. Thank you, Akko. I, I think that,
2: that's
0: the lesson here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Everyone write a poem. Yeah. Mm. Love Stop. that. Yeah. We should probably take a break. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. We'll see y'all soon. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that transition <laughs> Oh my god. We'll see y'all. Soon. Woo. So, real quick, well not real quick, in the appropriate amount of time, we're going <laughs> to read, first we're going to start with Sojourner's truth, Ain't I a Woman? Which is not a poem, by the way, everyone, I know we just talked a lot about poetry, but this is comparative across genres, so this is mm. actually a speech. Although, you know, it was a speech given on the fly, so there's something we said about that, and there's poetic elements, so really, Definitely. genres are an illusion, Mm-hmm. anyway but then after that we're <laughs> gonna read marcy is gonna read a woman speaks by audrey lord so just we, we figured we could do a summary but i mean the summary would be as long as if we just read it so basically so we we'll just we'll <laughs> just read it <laughs> we're just gonna read it so a speech entitled ain't i a woman by soldier in Her truth delivered at the 1851 women's convention in Akron, ohio well children where there is so much racket, there must be something out of kilter. I think the twixt the Negroes of the South and the woman at the North, all talking about rights, the white men will be in a fix pretty soon. But what's all this here talking about? That man over there says that women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches and to have the best place everywhere. Nobody ever helps me into carriages or over mud puddles or gives me any best place. And ain't I a woman? Look at me. Look at my arm. I have plowed and planted and gathered into my barns, and no man could head me. And ain't I a woman? Mm. I could work as much and eat as much as a man when I get it, and bear the lash as well. And ain't I a woman? I have borne 13 children and seen most of the most all sold off to slavery. And when I cried out with my mother's grief, none but Jesus heard me. And ain't I a woman? Then they talk about this thing in the head. What's this they call it? Intellect. That's it. What's that got to do with woman's rights or Negroes' rights? If my cup won't hold but a pint and yours holds a court, wouldn't you be mean not to let me have my little half measure full? Mm. Then that man in the black there, he says women can't have as much rights as men because Christ wasn't a woman. Where did your Christ come from? Where did your Christ come from? From God and a woman. Man had nothing to do with him. Mm. If the first woman God ever made was strong enough to turn the world upside down all alone, these women together ought to be able to turn it back and get it right side up again. And now they is asking to do it. The man better let them. Obliged to you for hearing me. And now old Sojourner ain't got nothing more to say.
1: I'm just going to snap into the mic. Um, (laughs) I love this. I just, that was, that was everything. Thank you, Akko. So now I'm going to read A Woman Speaks by Audre Lorde. I'm going to preface this by saying that when it comes to just like poetry recitation, like how it's read and who's reading it is like really, really important. And so... Mm -hmm just acknowledging that like i don't myself identify as a woman and so i'm unable to embody sort of the words in the way that a woman would be able to but i'm you know still going to read this and you know with the respect that it deserves and just want to put that out there because i know that like the way that something is read and who reads it is important as far as the interpretation of it and i just want to to, just to name that
0: Mm, i love you you're so good at naming things I just want to say. Sorry, continue. <laughs> of course, of course.
1: Thank you. But yes, so A Woman Speaks by Audre Lord. Moon marked and touched by sun, my magic is unwritten. But when the sea turns back, it will leave my shape behind. I seek no favor untouched by blood, unrelenting as the curse of love, permanent as my errors or my pride. I do not mix love with pity nor hate with scorn. And if you would know me, look into the entrails of Uranus, where the restless oceans pound. I do not dwell within my birth, nor my divinities, who am ageless and half-grown, and still seeking my sisters, witches in Dahomey, wear me inside their coiled cloths, as our mother did, mourning. I have been woman for a long time, but where my smile, I am treacherous, with old magic and the noon's new fury with all your wide futures promised i am woman and not white so that's it mm. and it's so funny reading it out loud i'm like ooh, you start to notice some things that like when you're just reading it you yeah. don't you don't always put together but yes
0: uh, so, your voice is so melodious thank you <laughs> <laughs> But I agree. There's something, like, in speaking at you, you feel it inside of you, you know, in a Mm. different way. Yeah. Mm. You know, I was going to take a break between this section and the next section, but then I realized that we could just do it all in one section. Let's do it. Woo!
1: Go ahead. Okay, (laughs) fuck it up. Yes, we love spontaneity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I guess starting off, like, what were your initial feelings about either poem both and or you know Mm. yes so
1: oh my gosh where do i even begin so i guess i'll start with a woman speaks because i read that one first so that was the poem that actually no let's go in order so i'll start with ain't i a woman Mm. ain't i a woman it's interesting because i loved that true just very clearly painted just sort of like the incomplete image of the american concept of a woman and like what Mm. like like how white femininity is like often seen as like the only form in which a woman could exist and like sort of any other form of womanhood outside of that is somehow less than or somehow incongruent or somehow doesn't doesn't match and mm. like it's interesting because so the piece that I was talking about earlier when I was like when you hear something out loud it it kind of resonates sort of differently I-, I loved her part about intellect when she was like, oh, what's that thing called? You know, intellect, whatever, whatever. And like, you know, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, if, if your measuring piece is, is a quart and I only have a pint, isn't it me not to let me have my little half measure full? It's like, it, it really just points to like, just like the absurdity mm. of racism, of misogynoir, of like there's nothing intellectual about that it's like you know we laud intellect as like this sort of like objective concept that justifies all of our actions but like many but right. like what's being described here as anything is 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 the antithesis of anything intellectual it's yeah. simply absurd and i just yeah i i really enjoyed her portrayal of this i loved that it was it was interesting as far as um I guess it's more of a comparative thing, so I'll say what I'm, I'm what I'm about to say. But yeah, those are just some of my initial pieces there. What no, did you think? go
0: ahead. I love that you were immediately about to go into. Okay, shit. And so, know, yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's interesting to me because so reading, and and I think a, a lot of this might just be the context. Like I sort of know the context of why Audre Lorde wrote "A Woman Speaks," but it's interesting, kind of reading "Ain't I a Woman?" Because I guess it kind of speaks to sort of like a unitedness among women like uh, like but specifically between mm. like white and black women or at least that's how i read it please clock me if i'm if that's completely no, inaccurate guess... there's a there's a nuance here describing like the experience of black womanhood but i feel like there's a there's a shared objective here as far as like women's rights whereas in mm. Audre Lorde's piece i i kind of read it as more of like i mean she literally said this is speaking specifically to the ways in which like black and white women often are in miscommunication often because white women are unwilling to to you know like communicate be, be, yeah communicate and be empathetic and understand that, like you know there's 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 experiences outside of their own and so it was just very interesting seeing that like as far as like the tone that being said i didn't read truths as somehow minimizing white women's role in the oppression of black women but it was just it was interesting kind of reading the direction that the conversations were going yeah. felt a little bit different but they still both spoke to very similar dynamics if that makes sense yeah so
0: i i agree with your reading i don't think you misread at all i think interestingly enough i think both work are, are political works um, right and so it's sojourner truth in her time period like 1851 women of across the board don't have the right to vote and mm-hmm. there is some solidarity between i mean let's see i mean but there is some stronger solidarity in that oppression whereas audrey lord which is a hundred and fifty years later, right, when she's writing it in the late twentieth century, mm-hmm. the solidarity has splintered in a lot of ways, if it ever existed. I mean, there's a lot to be said about the feminist movement actually just being racist as well right. <laughs> at the beginning of the twentieth yeah. century. Yeah. Um, but you know, they both are political acts. And so Sojourner Truth, I think, too, is playing to this female audience. It's a women's convention. Mm-hmm. Um as both a critique, which Audre Lorde also does, mm-hmm. but also a matter of, okay, but if we were to be in solidarity, like what could we together overturn if a woman mm. alone is so powerful? I also think what's really cool is Audre Lorde is like, isn't out queer woman, but there's a queerification even in Sojourner Truth's lines, right? In which if womanhood, it, it completely debunks cis normative ideas of femininity, which, you know, Cis heteronormative white femininity mm-hmm. by its definition leaves out black women <laughs> like, right. and creates them into something. we I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a genius. Other people have written this <laughs> it, <laughs> by its definition. <laughs> it makes black women into an other, um, mm-hmm. both something exotic, but also something of disgust, something human, as uh, something to be sexually projected on, but also mm-hmm. some, a body that can take a lot of labor. um, mm-hmm and both of these stories which are separated by 150 years express this rejection of that of whiteness as as the definition of femininity and Mm. even as as womanhood is something more imaginative and expansive than what has been um, Mm. given them right Mm -hmm. and i love this idea that intellect she's like what's this thing they're using now intellect (laughs) you know that even intellect." (laughs) she's like well that's word." but in a time period where we are so ruled by intellect like college and sats and graduate school tests to Mm -hmm. for someone to be like Intellect is younger <laughs> than the etherealness of our existence <laughs> mm-hmm. that you're using to define us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love that. I love her use of repetition. Ain't I a woman? It's a rhetorical. Question that is so demanding, it demands of an audience. Like mm-hmm. either you deny my womanhood, or you see that in this that you have made a mistake of what it means. that you are misguided in your understanding, right? Which dismantles the ideas that you've put forth. completely You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's so it's taunting, but also call and response. It's just mm-hmm. burnt. <laughs> yeah. Um, Do we yeah. know
1: anything about how the audience received anti woman?
0: I mean, they must have liked it because these people wrote it down. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) I don't know, though. That's a good question. Because, yeah, Um,
1: there is, like, a especially knowing that this was done, like, let let me make sure I say the word right, extemporaneously, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, someone says some shit like that to you. It's like, okay, I got to respond. Like, I can't. Mm -hmm. There's an urgency there where it's like, you really don't, like. Like, you can't just, like, overlook this. You can't just be like, oh, what? Like, it's like, you you, know, like, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm painting this entire picture for you. So, like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you either accept it or you don't. And yeah. if you don't, I mean, what are we doing here? You know?
0: Yeah. I will say, I'm pretty sure what happened is that, like, white women, like, a lot of the arguments were, like, slavery is wrong because women lose their children. And you're like, oh, that's that point yes we agree <laughs> however <laughs> it is also wrong because you've enslaved people yeah, um, and there was a lot of like and you know and and that's kind of the argument she's making here too it was like you know slavery 's slavery is wrong because like these women aren't being treated on a pedestal and and so' kind of like you know the pedestal part wouldn't really define my femininity or womanhood mm. but i would like if i were not enslaved you know what i mean right. like and I and I love that this is happening so early, because not early, like in the expanse of time space, but mm-hmm. I think people think these concepts are new and this is so much older. Like from the Gecka, while slavery was still happening, like <laughs> people were like, We don't want to take up the um the gender norms that are gonna come into place in the nineteen fifties in about a hundred years, right? Like right. those were clearly constructions and constructions that are younger and then again the nuance of the human experience around gender it's it's just such a takedown yeah <laughs> well, you know yeah but anyway
1: mm no that's real that's real and it's like it's exactly what you're saying it forces like a reconceptualization a reimagination of, of what womanhood is and like a customization in that definition as well um mm-hmm. especially looking at You know, when I was reading A Woman Speaks by Audre Lorde, I I was thinking about that the entire time. There was something so like, I mean, I mean, it's it's a poem, but also it just it felt so for something as restrictive as gender and especially like, you know, gender stereotypes, gender norms, like there was just such a fluidity in Mm -hmm. there's such an intentionality around one's relationship to gender in a way that i feel like we don't often see yeah especially for folks who might identify as cis right like it's like having this very intentional like no like if like what does my gender actually mean to me and to have it embody magic and ancestry and energy and just like kind of exists in like this form of um but also infallibility right like it's like they're also acknowledging that there's like you know like errors exist that pride exists you know that like there's not it's not a perfection Mm. but it's like there's a there's a multiplicity there's a it's just very intentional very like informed very kind of like exactly very expansive idea of what this category of woman means and like there's not and and honestly looking through this i didn't even think about this the first time but like there's not even really mention of like men at all it's just just, like it's just entirely independent and like what would that mean to have like these ideas around gender that had no influence from men or patriarchy and these like kind of this restrictive because like i mean like toxic masculinity relies on the presence of women in so many ways and it's it's, like this Mm -hmm. constantly devaluing but at the same time there's like deep reliance on it and so it's like what would it mean for this to be to exist entirely outside of that definition what would it mean for Mm -hmm. for us as we're you know for for women as a group to have this entirely yeah just like self-informed self-created self like determined definition of self definition of what of what this means and the ways in which that can be different but at the same time like deeply magical in its intentionality
0: right and then you know. with that what would there even be a need for the binary right like exactly you completely deconstruct that like what we are is so much more expansive i agree with Marcy, of course because is so good at things, <laughs> but to your point, the reference to the entrails of Uranus—Uranus Uranus is like filled with water. I'm pretty sure. Like, mm-hmm. it. I don't think it's like physical. I think it's water vapors. Is what from what I understand. Interesting. But it's like. Yeah, like there's like a large quantity of water in the atmosphere. it's just like this water vapor gas, you know, like they're mm-hmm. like, we can't find any zone where there would be liquid water. But that just that idea, right? Like the oceans, like vastness, or even to the point of just like this ethereal cloud of water vapors as mm. what we are, as opposed to like you're saying such as expansiveness. There's so much power, of mm-hmm. you know, restless oceans pounds, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah so i don't know i was thinking about it, i was like i don't know if she knew at the time that, that they couldn't find any like liquid water on uranus and it was water vapor i don't know if she knew that but <laughs> but the point was i think everyone was aware that there was a lot of water you know this mm-hmm. idea of a planet that was all watery all ethereal mm-hmm. um and I know, yeah, I liked it. And something she said reminds me of what you said, where she says, I do not dwell within my birth nor my divinities. Mm -hmm. Where I feel like we talked about that in the ambrosia episode. Mm -hmm. You know, the use of calling something the divine, but also the use of not making it unaccessible. Right. Um, And so it's like, even if I'm divine, which people use as this like over-glorification of woman, or even if I'm just human, you Mm -hmm. know, I am. And that's something poetic and expansive exactly. you know
1: right and it's it's so well one yes snaps to all of that i'm I'm going to now snap in agreement <laughs> to all of that you just <laughs> said and it's so interesting because i love i'm really glad you brought up the uranus line because i just there's something about this cosmic energy that i'm just mm-hmm. like really here for like because yeah. like we, we we talk about how you know Concepts of gender, you know, very like culturally specific, and like how in different places things are different. But like, just the fact that we can like zoom out to a whole ass other planet, (laughs) it's like there's Mm. like there's something about like just like the cosmos all working in concert to create people, like that all of this sort of happening in this Mm. like I don't know grand concert of the like of the universe. It's just like it's like we are so cosmic and like our our existence mm-hmm. expands so much further past even just like this planet like it's just everything so many things have to be in order for us to even exist that it's like right to have these silly categories literally makes no sense like it's just like no why like why would we be anything but vaporous why would we be anything but like mm-hmm. just like both expansive but fluid and flexible and just like really see ourselves as like an extension of just so many of just yeah just being so much more than both it's sure i guess our physical bodies but also like yeah, like these social definitions. It's just like I, I, I love yeah, this like zooming out um, imagery mm. that that Audrey Lore brings in. So, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And it's so interesting. I love that. And it's like it's so interesting that you say that because these two women, they're they're clearly both very intellectual people. They clearly both are able to exist in the normalities of their day and probably if they were mm. to i guess concede to the way things are could likely they could have basically just could have taken their privileges and their advantages and, and, mm. and lived their lives but with their intellect and with their ability to speak instead they choose to dismantle um mm. you know
1: definitely definitely yeah it's just i'm i'm, I'm so curious what this would look like I don't know, like, just, like, like a conversation between these two women. Like, what would that even... Like, what, <laughs> what would that even right. be? It just makes me think of so much. Also, I just had another thought about, um, and I a Woman? So, it was interesting, because there's talk about if the power of one woman could basically turn the world upside down, like, these women could, together could, like, turn it back right side up, and now they're asking to do it, these men better let them. I remember reading that and being like, these men better let them, like, what? But, like, reading it now, it kind of... It feels sort of tongue-in-cheek, you know? Like, it, it sort of feels like... Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, because, you know, men, these men better let them. It's like, girl. like, But, like, it's, like, juxtaposing that to, like, this planetary power of women, like, to literally just turn shit up upside down. Granted, I mean, I don't know. I think there's, you know, bigger conversations to be had here around just, like, the villainization of women and, and, you know, organized religion and and all of that. But even kind of walking with this pair or moving with this paradigm, it's just so interesting because it's, like, I mean, girl, like, everything that's been described in the speech is such that like it's like men feeling like they need to be in control of something or like these men needing to let anything happen it's like girl like that but but it's just poking holes it's just poking holes and like sort of men's self-concept and like feeling like they need to like be powerful or like allow others to do certain things it's like girl like but we got it though like it's like there's so much power that men don't embody in the aggregate as a group that it's just like it's just it's just really really interesting yeah Mm -hmm. And
0: it's and the truth is that they don't empower it, which is why you would try to so strongly restrict, right? Exactly. Um and I think your point is well taken when I I think when she says (laughs) the men better let them it's more like it's like when your parents like, "Mm, you better not like pick that you know what I mean? It's like Mm. there's behind it there is like, yeah, you could do that, but this is gonna happen either way. Right. (laughs) You (laughs) could acquiesce now. And I feel like that is the underlying Power and femininity that mm. that terrifies people is that although on the surface and this is true about oppressed groups in general on the surface the oppressor looks like they have all the control, um, but in actuality they do not mm. <laughs> their power is an illusion right. And and here, she's saying this. I mean, this woman literally escaped slavery <laughs> with an infant child. Right. <laughs> do, you like, do you guys really think you're going to stop me from doing anything? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you... You, tr- you literally tried. Like, right. <laughs> and you failed. It still failed. Um, so, and this is... Slavery isn't even over. And she's like, I am imagining an existence far past this. Mm. And she's certain of it. Um, yeah. I mean, can you... Jesus, like, what are you going to do? Stop. So I think it's, she's kind of like saying, like, you have no idea the power that you are dealing with. You better. (laughs) But -hmm. if you don't, (laughs) you know, that's to your detriment. Exactly. Um, (laughs) And I think Audre Lorde is saying the same thing And when she's talking about the expansive power of womanhood. But in Audre Lorde, right, is this critique that, like, have we, has this feminist movement, has feminism moved to this point of internalizing whiteness internalizing mm. the heteronormative cis patriarchy and mm. so that we're still having this question about what it means um right. to be a woman that excludes in particular black women likely queer women i mean yeah she she must be referring to queer women as well and probably queer folks in general yeah so anyway that's yeah i like that you brought that up because i yeah good point
1: yeah but um, but yeah. But aside okay. from that, I'm trying to think about any other things I wanted to say, bring
0: up. I did want to say my mm-hmm. thing. I wanted to say when like if you listener are like listening to this and you're like, man, I want to get into poetry. But I feel like Ako Marcy, you're just like know how to say all this stuff. And I, <laughs> let me, oh, let me. <laughs> you know they're so smart <laughs> i'd be <feel> like wow <laughs> they've really read that whole thing wrong they know nothing
1: <laughs> nothing it's like okay
0: jeez. <laughs> well, we just wanted to read it but i wanted to say <laughs> when, when <laughs> to give like a short <laughs> like shorthand at least my like shorthand to reading poetry um and so it's not so overwhelming because i feel like people tell you to read it and then like hand you a piece of paper and you're like i don't know where to start so mm when I start what I do is I read the whole thing first and I just think about how it made me feel first and foremost mm. like in that can be confused you can be like I feel confused that, right. that's a fine feeling to have because mm-hmm. poetry as we said is a, a little ethereal sometimes it can be very emotional and sometimes you like are not letting yourself engage because it's a lot and it might make mm. you cry <laughs> so yeah, it's true. okay your first initial feeling and then if you but if you you know, that's the point where you're either like, I don't feel this and you just put it down. Or if you are like, but something's like a twinge inside of me, like I want to understand. Then that's when I like kind of go stanza by stanza. And I like Mm -hmm. kind of read it more carefully for each line. And and I ask myself, okay, what does this mean? And how does it fit into the poem? And what Mm -hmm. does this line mean? And how does it fit in? And does this part echo this part? Mm -hmm. And then, what I do then is, any first of all, anything I didn't understand in the poem, I looked up. So I didn't know what Dahemi was, the Ohemi, mm-hmm. that Audre Lord references. It's like a, a tribe of woman warriors. And I didn't understand exactly why she referenced Uranus. So I looked up, you know uranus and the oceans of uranus. Mm. and i was like huh this makes a lot of sense and it's okay right to like ask yourself what context this is in and what they could be speaking to mm-hmm. and then another thing i do is i look at the poetic literary devices or just literary devices more generally like marcy said there's a lot of irony so in both poems well mm, the irony really is very at the very end of Audrey Lords. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of irony in Sojourner's Truths end. and then I like, okay, what's is there anything oxymoronic? And there there is actually in mm-hmm. Sojourner's Truth. Or are, are there illusions? Um there are in, in Audre Lords, you know? And then mm-hmm. you look up those illusions and they and that's that's where you see the short words, the short phrases suddenly become expansive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? Yeah. So and then, if nothing else, just go look it up online. Who's going to stop you? <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> Seriously, like, who cares? Just, right. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then once you read it, it might ask more questions for yourself, you know?
1: Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that because, yeah, that is really, really important. And I and I really want to underscore here, like, I'm really, I, I typically do not read a lot of poems. Um <laughs> So even like throughout this discussion, I'm like, well, I really had a lot to say, huh? Mm-hmm. So, so girl, why are we not reading poetry? Like clearly it brings <laughs> up feeling. And, and, I, and, and I definitely want to underscore what you said as far as like, yeah, just like how did it make you feel? Like what did it make you think of? What mm-hmm. images did it bring up for you? Like whether they be past memories or whatever the case may be. Just there's something about yeah. like just like kind of being in that space of like, okay, what did I feel hearing this or reading this especially like live poetry recitation if, if reading poetry is intimidating i also recommend just like watching people recite poetry yeah. um we can definitely maybe link some maybe some good channels in and the show notes or something but um but yeah because yeah. like that's also just like a very powerful experience something else mm-hmm. that i like to do too is like i try to like Whenever I read a poem, like, I I look at the distinction of the lines. So often, you know, like, a complete thought usually isn't just on one line. It's kind of separated in different ways. Right. And so I'm like, okay, if I were to read this, one, how would that kind of change? Like, if I, like, you know, rearranging how, like, the lines are set up, like, very much kind of changes the rhythm of a poem. But also, Mm -hmm. like, sometimes it's, like, just looking at a line just by itself, even if it's an incomplete thought or, like, the middle of a thought or the end of a thought. Like, just looking at, like, okay, why did this person, like, why is this part by itself? exactly why is, you know like it's like for example i'm looking at a woman speaks right now and like you know it's like i seek no favor that's one line and then untouched by blood is a line underneath it but it's like part of the same thought mm-hmm. and it's just like well, why like what is the utility of this and grant i'm not saying you got to go line by line and be like oh blah blah but like if there are certain pieces that are really resonant to you there's something maybe like the poem brings up a feeling where you're still trying to parse it out i think that's also a useful technique just to kind of like yeah you know really take the ideas line by line so yeah,
0: yeah. And it's supposed Bye. to be—it's like a puzzle. It's supposed to be fun, you know. It's supposed to be like you searching for meaning, and people can be like, "Well, all that meaning's not in there." You're like, "Okay, well, all that meaning's not in a lot of things. We do it anyway." You know? Exactly, you <laughs> should. <Shit. laughs> um, and it's supposed to—it's supposed to maybe force you to not read things linearly, you know. It's exactly, force you to sit. It's. So it's a fun endeavor. Like if you're scrolling through Instagram, then you might be you'll stop one day and be like, you know, instead of scrolling, I could read a poem. It's the exact it's the exact same time suck, but you know. Right. So if you get to the end, you're like, that was meaningless. You're like, okay, well, it wasn't any more meaningless than Instagram? <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. So. So. Yeah, but yeah, um, poetry is. I am, Ako. I just want to thank you for conceptualizing this episode (laughs) this poetry comparative literature piece like this whole episode was Akko's idea and I truly want to thank you because it's like you know coming into it I was like definitely like a little I mean not like I'm not like full-blown nervous but I was like okay I'm a little more you know I I feel like I'm kind of stretching myself a bit more in doing this kind of episode and I and I feel like now I'm like wow like there's so well, and just so many insights from the conversation that we had that I'm leaving with, but at the same time, also just like just like a deeper appreciation of like poetry as a medium, and me being like, yeah, like let's like dabble in this more. Like, let's not self disqualify. So,
0: yeah. Oh, but um, well, I see. Oh, I bet your poetry is going to be great. I'm so excited. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, if y'all, you know, I don't know if you now want to read poetry. Seriously, just send us a Twitter message on a a Twitter message, a DM um, (laughs) post us on Twitter. um, um, (laughs) A status on Twitter. Um, (laughs) Send us a carrier pigeon on Twitter (laughs) at um, the... I the color pages and you can also see us on int- Instagram at these color pages and we have a link tree that you can look at to see what books or poems or plays or visual novels we're reading yes. mm-hmm. we have an email thesecolorpages at com, and a website thesecolorpages.com so check us out you know see what we're up to tell us what you think about our beautiful <laughs> transition <laughs> <gasps>
1: oh my gosh. Love that. Yes. And of course, if this show brought you any love, light, delight, mm, boom, right there. What was that? Poetry. Ooh. See, we already started the journey. Mm. Yes. So <laughs> wherever you're listening to this podcast, if, it, if you felt any of those things, because again, it's about feeling, leave us some love wherever you're listening to this yeah. podcast, which, you know, could be Apple podcast or not totally fine but yes we love a comment we love a rating we love a little review you mm-hmm. don't have to even do all three you could do one maybe two all three we one. don't we just yeah. we, you know what any whatever floats <laughs> your boat up in here in the color Pages Book club also if you know of anyone that you're like you know what you need right now abolitionist feminist poetry like Ooh. actually you know what y'all hold contact list, us just send them this episode because like this just needs to be out here <laughs> in the world but in, in all seriousness if you know anyone that like would really enjoy this episode or really appreciate the perspectives brought up absolutely send them this episode mm-hmm. um Again, we are just very thankful that folks, you know, even listen to our asses talk about things on the internet. We definitely yes. appreciate all of you, and so thank you all just so much for for the engagement, for the love, for your attention and your time. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, time isn't like a capitalist resource necessarily, but like it is, it is finite, and so the fact that folks take the time to to listen is means a lot. So you know, we certainly mm-hmm. do not take that for granted. As far as our next piece of the Summer short series, um, we are actually close to wrapping up, but our next short story will be The Pain Tree by Olive Sr. And so we'll be talking about that. It's not going to be like, oh, we're going to read three short stories and then like two of them. are uh. One. We're going to read one <laughs> short one. And we're talking about one because we yep. are tired. So,
2: <laughs> yes.
1: between. But t- <laughs> But between oh <laughs> between now and then, Akko, <laughs> is there anything else we should leave our listeners with before we head out?
0: No, just until we see you <laughs> next time. Just remember to stay, stay
1: colorful. colorful.